In your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 22. And uh, last week we ended with God calling Abraham my friend. And, uh, and we ended with, at the end of our day, can it be said of us that I was a friend of God, that, that God calls me, you know, that's my friend. And, um, and to, you know, to just worship him, just to kind of, and, and what got Abraham that title was his obedience. And because he had obeyed the voice of God. So now we're going to move on to 22 because we're talking about the identity of the believer of which Abraham was the father that God made covenant with on this earth. And he continued to say, your descendants. Uh, And of which if we are um, in Jesus Christ, it says that we are also Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So it's important that we understand that we are seed of Abraham, descendants of Abraham, spiritual descendants of Abraham. Okay, <clears throat> so uh, we also talked about last week how that Isaac uh, was he was in his 30s, or maybe it was the week before, but anyway, he was in his 30s when God spoke to Abraham and told him to take Isaac and offer him on that mount. So we need to understand that Isaac had an encounter with God in that moment. And uh, I believe, because it does not tell us that he did not hear the voice of the angel, I believe that Isaac heard the voice of the angel also speak to Abraham and say, Abraham, Abraham, uh, now that you have done this, I know that you, since you did not withhold your only son from me, uh, God was making a commitment. He was making a covenant with, with Abraham that he would send his son. Uh, but for Isaac's sake, a ram was caught in the thicket, and Isaac's life was given back to him in that moment. Every descendant of Abraham has the ability to have our own encounter with God. We have to have our own encounter with God. And Isaac had his encounter with God. And then when we look at them coming back, and I'm just recapping just a little bit. When we look at them coming back, it said, first of all, Abraham told the men that went with him, saying, I and the lad will return to you. So he knew that if if his life was required, that there was going to be resurrection life or something because the promise of God was on that child on that young man and so it said that Abraham in verse 9 returned to the young men we find Isaac um, uh, his his name is not mentioned there but we find Isaac is meditating out in the field uh, in chapter 24 let's let's slip on over to chapter 24 verse 63 chapter 24 verse 63 and it says and Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening and he lifted his eyes and looked and there the camels were coming 
Now then, in between chapter 22 and chapter 24, we have the oldest servant in Abraham's house being sent back to the land where Abraham was born and to get a wife for Isaac. And so Eliezer was coming back with that wife and uh, to present her to Isaac. But we find Isaac, he's out meditating in a field. He's, I really believe that he's had an encounter with God in that moment. And I believe that there is an open, uh, open heaven for Isaac so that, so that he can communicate, that he can, you know, and, and we're going to find that out here in a minute uh, in the fact that God appears now to Isaac. He had appeared to Abraham. He was the God of Abraham. Why was he the God of Abraham? Because Abraham followed him. And I'm going to say again what I like the, the new definition that I have of fear, of the acronym of fear, is follow earnestly, adhering regardless. And we found that in Abraham because Abraham walked in the fear of God. He followed earnestly what God said and he adhered to what God said regardless of what God said. And so that's true fear of God. And so uh, we take up now with, um, um, I want to back up just one more scripture. Let's go back to 24. And uh, when, when he goes, when the, when the servant goes back to the land uh, where Abraham came from, when they sent Rebecca, they said, let's ask Rebecca if she wants to go. And Rebecca was an outstanding woman. Let's just think about her for just a minute. Rebecca was an outstanding woman in that Eliezer said, the woman that, that uh, needs to come with me to go back to Isaac will not only allow me to get a drink of water, but she'll also water my camels. And if you know anything about camels, when they've gone on, on a distance journey, they can drink 40 gallon apiece. And so she's drawing water for a long time at this well until all of the camels were satisfied. And so he goes to their house. Um, and, uh, and sure enough, she says, yes, I will return with you uh, to the family of Abraham. But before she returns, let's look at verse 60. And it says, her family said this, they blessed Rebekah and said to her, our sister, may you become the mother of thousands, of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. Isn't this interesting? Because God has said this to Abraham just a few chapters earlier, saying, and your descendants will possess the gates of their enemies. And here we're in a whole different uh, family grouping, but they have the same blessing that they speak over, over Rebecca, saying, may you be the mother of thousands, ten thousands, and let your descendants possess the gates of those who hate you. That means if you're possessing the gates of those who hate you, you have authority over those who hate you. You, that, that even as Jesus says then in the New Testament, that the gates of hell will not prevail. Who hates the descendants of Abraham? Those who aren't. You know, those who aren't children of the living God. 
uh, is, is who are the enemies of the children of the living God. And so, but he says that the gates of hell will not prevail against uh, the descendants of Abraham. All right. So here we have, we have, I'm going to visit Ishmael quite a bit tonight because I find this really, really, this is a brand new revelation that I just, I, I just have seen. First of all, I want to remind us that Ishmael, of course, we always say, and he was, he was the, the, the son that was born of the flesh. He was the one that, that Abraham made happen. But I was, as I was meditating this, and even just in the last little bit, as I was meditating this, God knew that the longer he waited, that there would be that impatience that would come. And how many times does that happen for us? Okay. He knew that Ishmael was going to be birthed, but then God even waited longer than that. It says that he was 13, Ishmael was 13 years old when God gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision. And it said that he and Ab Abraham was 99, Ishmael was 13, and all of the rest of the men in Abraham, Abraham's household was circumcised on that very day. But God waited until after Ishmael was born to give the covenant of circumcision. Ishmael was in Abraham's household and was circumcised with all the rest of them. Abraham was 99. Isaac didn't come for another year because Abraham was 100 when Isaac was born. And then Isaac was, uh, was circumcised eight days later because that was when God said that newborn babes were to be circumcised. It wasn't until then that Sarah became jealous of how Ishmael was looking and acting at that celebration of the circumcision of Isaac and said, send her away. We talked about how that God then looked at Abraham and said, you know, pay attention to your wife because the flesh cannot stay with the son of promise. And so they were sent away. But you know, God in his mercy made sure that Ishmael was of age that they could continue. Because when, when remember when, when Hagar was, was being abused basically by Sarah as her mistress said, I can't take it anymore. She was pregnant with Ishmael and God named Ishmael before Ishmael was born right then with Hagar as they were at the same well. And you can check this out, but the same well when Isaac was meditating in the field, that's where Isaac lived, was at that same well. And that well means the God who hears. And so God was hearing Hagar's cry and not only heard her cry named the child and said now go back to Sarah and remain there okay if the son if if Ishmael being the son of the flesh wasn't worth talking about then God wouldn't have told Hagar there's a great nation within you with tribes. 
And I will make a great people out of him. And he, he goes through all of this prophecy of what he's going to do with Ishmael. When I came to this section in Genesis chapter 25, my question to God was, why did you include Ishmael's lineage in this place, in this, in this history? And I began to hear, look at the names. I think you're going to find this really, really interesting because this is the love of God. This is absolutely the love of God. God and Abraham were in, co in covenant. Remember Abraham cried out, Oh, that Ishmael could stand before you. And God says, No, but I will make a great people of him. Okay. Now he includes the genealogy of Ishmael, and he does Ishmael's genealogy first. And these were the names of the sons of Ishmael by their names, according to their generations. The firstborn of Ishmael was Nebajoth. When I looked up the word Nebajoth, it means fruitfulness. Sin is pleasurable for a season. Right? You know, I, it's fruitful. You know, I mean, my goodness, if, if it wasn't enjoyable, who would do it? But, but God, you know, I mean, uh, this firstborn of Ishmael, it says fruitfulness. The secondborn, this is a story. Remember, we've been talking about the story within the story of how God is threading his story within the generations of his people. The second one is Kadar. Kadar means to mourn in sackcloth. Sin is fun for a season, but then it brings mourning. It brings um, um, well, God says this about him in Proverbs. Uh, let's look at Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. The opposite is what is then uh, for sin of Proverbs 10, 22. It says, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Sometimes when we think we're being blessed in sin, there's sorrow though on the end of it. Okay, and so mourning. We can go to the Beatitudes. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That means to grieve over uh, what has separated us from God. And so, so here we have, we have fruitfulness, starting out with fruitfulness, but then it turns into mourning. It turns into sorrow because there's a separation. Okay. Ishmael knew the love of Abraham, right? And then he sent away. Abdeel is number three. Abdeel, the name Abdeel means chastisement. Chastisement means discipline of God. And it says in Hebrews chapter 12, 11, that those he loves, he disciplines. Well, why would he do that? Because he wants the best for us. If you haven't caught on yet, this is actually the way of salvation, redemption for the sons and daughters of the flesh. God would that none should perish, 
but that all. And so he's weaving the story within the story saying, Abraham had a son of the flesh and yet I have made the way. I am showing you the way of salvation through the names of the children in order of how the life returns to me. That the flesh can be redeemed and become a son of promise. Let's keep going here. Chastisement is the discipline of God. He, whom he loves, he disciplines. Mibsum is the next one. If we receive the chastisement, go ahead. Sure. I'm sorry. Um, so when you first love you. Oh, we love you. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Father. Just thank you, Father. We just worship you. We worship you, Lord. <laughs> oh, we worship you for your love. Your love, your love, your love, your love that penetrates no matter what. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Wow. And the next name is fragrant. Do you smell him? <laughs> oh, the goodness of God. The goodness of God, the fragrance. Oh, oh, how much he loves us. Abraham loved that boy, and I'm in covenant with Abraham, and I love that boy too. <laughs> We've given Ishmael a bad rap. God says, no, that's Abraham's son too. And that's I love him we too. Are. I mean, that's who that's, we were. Oh, Jesus oh, oh, I mean, oh. Mm. Fragrant, fragrant. The discipline of God because it's in love. It's in love. The discipline of God brings about his fragrance in our lives. Oh, the beauty. Oh, the beauty. Oh, the beauty. The next two, 
tells us that he never takes away our choice. Mishma means to hear intelligently toward obedience. But the next one is Duma, which means to be dumb or silent, fail, perish, be destroyed, or death. So we still have a choice. We, he, he does not take our choice away. We have the choice to say, yes, Lord, I, I know you have the best for me. And then listen, intelligently listen, engage our, engage our hearts and our minds with what he is offering us. Or be dumb and silent, fail, perish, destroy, death. Isn't this amazing what Ishmael's children's names mean? Do you really think that they were named accidentally? Oh, that's just a coincidence. That they were named for the progression of salvation. Okay, Massa, burden. When we come to God, we're burdened. I don't care what it is, whether it's addiction to whatever it is or whether it's that we all come to God burdened with a load of care because the enemy makes sure he dumps everything he can dump on us in order to steal, in order to kill, in order to destroy, in order to devour the preciousness God first creates the purpose and then he creates the person to fulfill the purpose and writes a book. And the enemy knows every one of us was sent here on purpose by the will of God. You know what? That means even Ishmael. They couldn't have had Ishmael unless God had a purpose Do you think we see his story within the story and the purpose of why Ishmael came first? Oh, mercy. If we could just see. If we could just see the story within the story of how much he loves us. Okay. Burdened. When Jesus then says in Matthew 11, chapter 28 through 30, Come unto me, all you who are heavy laden. Weary, and I will give you rest. And that does mean when we're tired and worn out. But that means when we've carried all we can carry, the sin of this life, the, the, the everything. He says, come unto me. Come unto me. I will give you rest. Burdened. Burdened with whatever the enemy is. Says, oh, this is who you are. And he says, oh, no. Come unto me, and I'll lift it. And I will give you me. I will give you rest. What is the verse where the yoke, he talks about the yoke? It's easy. It's the same verse. Let's go ahead and turn there. Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy 
and my burden is light. <laughs> mm. Wow. The freedom that he gives us. Yes, does he ask us? There are things that's our responsibility to do. And guess what? It's in the next few names. Okay? Isn't it? Oh, God is amazing. Listen, I've never seen this before. Never. Until this afternoon, God said, look at the names. What do the names mean? Let me show you the story. I threaded it in the old. Through the sun, the through the son of the flesh that everybody said was a mistake, God says, I'll show you what I can do with mistakes. Ha! Huh. Whoo! Glory. Hadar. Hadar means chamber innermost within. says, take my yoke, of, let me come in and dwell with you in the innermost being of who you are. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Let me change you from the inside out. Let me know you and let you know me. He, back in, in uh, Matthew, it says, learn of me. Learn of me. Learn who I am. Get to know me. Oh man, everybody, most everybody, it seems like the day today they think they know him, but they don't. They don't know him. You can't know him unless you experience him. Experience his love in your inner in your innermost being. Let him pour himself out into you. Make room for that. Make time for that. To be in his presence. To be face to face with the lover of your soul. He says, and you'll find rest for your soul. Our minds, our wills, our emotions are so strangulated with the burdens and the, and, the, and the things of this life. He said, let me take that from you. Let me take that labor from you. Let me take that trying to figure it out from you. And just, just come be with me. Come away with me. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. Oh, we need to be hearing that, how he wants us to be in his presence. Tama means foreign. Stranger to the promise. We were once strangers and foreigners to the promise. According to Ephesians chapter 2.12. But we don't have to stay strangers and foreigners. As we allow him into us and we are in his presence. He takes us in as friend to friend. And we become a child of the living God and a part of the family, a part of the descendants of Abraham, a part of who he is. And he begins to pour himself out in us and through us. Okay, so we were once strangers to the covenant of promise, but no more. After we come to him, give him us. <laughs> I surrender me. Well, can't do anything with me. I've tried. 
Surrender me. He says, just come to me. Take my yoke. Nafish means to be refreshed, breathed upon, to give resurrection life. Wow. Come into his presence and just let him breathe the breath of life in you. He says, the enemy has come to kill, steal, and and to destroy. But I am come that you may have life. Numa, breath of God. And that you not only have just a little life, but that you have life more abundantly above anything you could ever know. The last child there, number 12, Kadema means precedence. God set a precedence here that any son of the flesh can return to the Father. By this way. Amazing. Amazing. The Ishmaels don't have to stay outside of the covenant. (laughs) This is how we come. Quite frankly, we're all Ishmaels. (laughs) Even the Jews today are Ishmaels because they've not come Through the blood of Jesus, they haven't received the breath. Unless they come through the blood of Jesus, the redeeming blood of Jesus, they're still looking for the Messiah to come. And he's come. And there's a revival that's beginning so that they're hearing his voice, that they are coming into the full saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are all sons and daughters of the flesh until we became under Christ, and then we became sons of the promise. Now then, we heard all of this of the pathway back to God. We have the choice. Listen, again, right in the center of this thing, we have the choice. It's our choice. He will not take our choice away from us. Ishmael had 12 sons in one generation. Now then, let's look for a minute. Sons of promise. The identity of a believer is to believe. Amen? Here we have Isaac. They've gone back and got him the proper wife to be his wife. Um, And lo and behold, if she's not barren, He marries her at 40, and he pleads with God. Why is that? He's the son of the promise, but in order to receive the promise, he's going to have to learn how to believe. A lot of times we give up and quit. Now, he did learn something from generation to generation, because remember, Abraham said, it's taken too long. Sarah was barren. So let's go, you know, Sarah actually encouraged Hagar. Rebecca was barren. Okay, let's let's look here. Verse 21 in chapter 25 of Genesis. 
Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. He had learned something. Listen, it's, it's a wise person that can learn from others. All right, it's a wise person. But you don't have to go through it yourself. Now there's another place where he fell into the same she's my sister, not my wife thing. Okay, but right here, Abraham, we, know, we never find him praying for Sarah. For her to not be barren. But here we find Isaac praying for Rebecca. Pleading with God, open her womb. Guys, we could put this in the realm of the church. We need to be pleading for the church to no longer be barren. And that the church birth children in love. We have to begin having intimacy with God because if there's no intimacy, there is no birthing of children. And so here, Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. So here we have, he has prayed to God. He's been meditating. Now he's praying, and he gets the answer. Don't you think that encouraged his faith? So here we go. But the children struggled together within her, and she said, if all is well, why am I like this? So she went, she went to inquire of the Lord. Look how we've progressed from one generation to the next. Sarah laughed. This old woman have a baby? <laughs> yeah, right. Rebecca goes herself to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, I find that wonderful. Because here we have God speaking to Rebecca, person to person, saying, two nations are in your womb, two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, the older, older will serve the younger. This girl went to God, heard from God, and got a word from God over her children. Wow. And it was true because it was from God, because God always speaks truth. And so she gives birth. Esau is born first. And afterward, his brother, verse 26, came out and his hand, Jacob's hand, took hold of Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60. He had waited 20 years for his twins to be born. And that's all the children that he had in that generation. The boys grew. Esau was a skillful, skillful hunter, the man of the field. But Jacob was a, a mild man dwelling in tents. So they're grown. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Okay, now then we have the infamous story of Esau sells his birthright. We need to see something that is happening here. Esau comes in hungry from the field. He claims he's starving. 
He's probably only been out hunting one day. Yeah, granted, he's probably hungry, but we know that you can live a long time. You know, even if he was out two or three days and hadn't gotten any game, yeah, he's hungry, but still he's going to live. And so he smells the, the stew that Jacob is cooking on the fire, and he says, please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? That's like flicking it to the curb, making it of no value. What was the birthright? They had been told, they had to have been told, Abraham was the father of many nations. Through him, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. They had already had Isaac. I imagine Isaac told his children the story about how Father Abraham took me on a mountain. My life was given back to me, and there is one coming. And, and that covenant was, was being passed from one generation to the next. And it was also known that the firstborn was the one that would be the progenitor of the seed that was to come. And even though they knew these stories, Esau said, I'm about to die here. I don't care about the birthright. Give me some of that stew. And Jacob says, okay. Because he wanted the birthright. He desired it. Later, and I'm going to go ahead and finish this whole storyline here. Later, when, when Isaac knew he was about to die, he told Esau, go out and get me some game. Fix it like you know I like it, and I will bless you. And so Esau went out. Rebekah had heard, and she said, Jacob, go get two kids out of the flock, the best ones you can find, and let me dress them. And so they did. And they put some of the skin of the, of the kid on because Esau was hairy and Jacob was smooth. And so they, they dressed him up. Isaac was, was blind. They dressed him up, uh, covered him up so that he would represent Esau. He goes out with the blessing and soon after Esau comes in and Isaac is panicked because he has given the blessing to Esau. Or excuse me, Isaac. Esau says, don't you have any kind of a blessing left for me? What I find interesting in these two dialogues is the birthright meant nothing to him, but the blessing meant everything to him. And if we're not careful, we'll see that played out in our own lives. We really don't want to reveal Christ through us, manifest Christ through us, if it's going to cause any kind of backlash, or discomfort. discomfort, 
We really don't want to manifest the birthright because we are children of the birthright because the, the word says that Jesus was the firstborn of many brethren. And if you look in Hebrews chapter uh, 11 or 12, it actually calls us the church of the firstborn. Let me, let me look over there. <clears throat> it calls us the church of the firstborn. If you are the church of the firstborn... Ah, uh, maybe I have it in my notes. 1223. Thank you. 1223. Uh, let me back up here. The glorious company, verse 18. For you have not, for, for you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire and to blackness and darkness and tempest. He's referring to when Moses and the children of Israel were at, were at the mount. And the sound of the trumpet and the voice of the words, so that those who heard it begged that the words should not be spoken to, the, to them anymore, for they could not endure what was commanded. And if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it should be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses says, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Mm. We are the church of the firstborn. And if you know Bible history, it tells us that the firstborn of everything had to be redeemed. The firstborn of everything belonged to God. The firstborn of the cattle, the firstborn of the sheep, the firstborn of the, the firstborn that was in, the firstborn of the children. They belonged to God. When we give our lives to God, we become the firstborn. Born, I don't care what order we are in birth. We become, the, we become the firstborn. We become registered in heaven. We become God's. And he is jealous for his. And so, here we have. We have a man that says, I don't care about being the firstborn. I don't care about being God's. I don't care about revealing God. All I want is his blessings. All I want is what he can do for me. That's something that is so easy to fall into in today's environment. It costs a lot to reveal Christ. People sometimes poke fun, make fun, do retaliation of whatever nature. Who knows? But just bless me. And what the church is doing with that kind of a mentality is flying in circles. Because you can't fly with one wing. You have to have the birthright. You have to be the firstborn. And you have to be in blessing. And so... Jacob, because he desired the birthright. 
another scripture, and I'd have to look it up. It's in Malachi, I believe. It actually says that, uh, and God loved Jacob and despised Esau. Why did he despise Esau? Because Esau despised him. Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. Mm -hmm. And today, when you really get down to it, those are the two families that are fighting in Israel right now. They have been fighting over the family inheritance because it went to Abraham's children through Isaac, but it went to Jacob. And so Esau is still warring to get that land today. <laughs> Don't tell it. Don't tell me it doesn't make a difference what we do. It makes a difference what we do. It makes a difference. Changes all of history. Okay. <clears throat> Chapter 26. Again, history is repeating itself. Remember when Abraham came to the land that God had given him? There was a famine in the land. And Abraham went down to Egypt. There's another famine in the land. Here we are in the days of Isaac. And it says now in verse 2, the Lord appeared to him, to Isaac, and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. So here we have Isaac. First of all, we have Abraham. God says, go to a land that I will show you. And now he's looking at, I, at Isaac and saying, you live in a land that I will tell you. So we've gone from show to tell. We've, and, and he is appearing because God had to be the God. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, things are established, okay? So here we have, he's the God of Abraham because Abraham chose to walk in obedience. Let's read just a little bit further here and we'll see this. Don't go to Egypt. Dwell in the land. In verse 3, dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give these lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father and I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. Does that sound familiar? He is moving this covenant to the next generation to Isaac. I will give to your descendants all these lands and, and, your, and in your seed all of the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Why? Here's the because. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Because I will bless you. This thing's going to move on down. But guess what? He was known as the God of Abraham because God had... God had proved Abraham and Abraham had proved God. Now he needed to be known as the God of Isaac. But Isaac has to have his own relationship with God for the covenant to come on through. And so he stays where he's told to stay, but then he follows suit of what his father had done and lied about his wife. And Abimelech said, 
wow, one of us could have really done really wrong here, and, uh, and that would have been a sin. This is the Philistines that is saying, why didn't you tell us? The Egyptians were telling Abraham, why didn't you tell us? And now we have the Philistines saying, why didn't you tell us that that was your wife? And so, <clears throat> verse 12, then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him, and the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous for his possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. And then what did they do? They stopped up all of his father's wells. When God begins blessing our lives, sometimes the enemy just absolutely doesn't like that. And so then they tell him, you've got to get away from us because you're stronger than we are. Okay. <clears throat> now then, let's go on down. Verse 24. And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. So what did he do now? He builds an altar because he has had a divine encounter with the most high God. It's not just what my daddy says about him. I've seen him for myself. So he builds an altar. When Abraham had seen him for himself, he built an altar, an altar at Bethel, if you will remember several chapters earlier. Okay, now then, Isaac blesses Jacob, sends him away because Esau is uh, extremely mad and Rebekah again hears and says, Esau's going to kill you if you stay around. Therefore, you better get out of here. Why should I be deprived of both of you in one day? What's she meaning? In the day that my husband dies is the day that my son will die too if you don't get out of here. And so he goes back. Um, but he, he has, Jacob now is the one that it's moving forward to. Okay? And so let's look at... Um, uh, let's move on up here just a little bit. In verse 28 is when Jacob, or when Esau, uh, excuse me, where Isaac sends Jacob away, and again he blesses him in verse 3. Listen, the blessing of a father is so important. The blessing of a father it's important for, for us to be blessed. It's important. And, and, and if we can't by father, by spiritual mother or by spiritual father. But this is what Isaac is saying. May God Almighty bless you and, and make you fruitful and multiply you. Isaac knows him as God Almighty. Abraham knew him as God Almighty. Now Isaac knows him, so he's become the God of Isaac. That you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you. That you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. So Isaac now 
has seen and knows that the blessing of God, that the, that the, that the Abrahamic promise is not going to Esau, but it's going to Jacob. And so he sends him away. Then we find Esau marrying Hittite women. The Hittites are arch enemies of the Israelites. And so he marries two Hittite women. He finds out that this doesn't please Isaac and Rebekah. So then he marries the sister, uh, not the sister, the daughter of Ishmael. Uh, and uh, in addition to the other two wives. But now then, I want to go on down uh, with Jacob and his vow at Bethel. He stops on the way. He lays down for a place to sleep. In verse 12, it says, Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So, hey, the covenant is getting bigger. Behold, I am with you and will keep you and wherever you, wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Jacob awakes from his sleep and says, surely the Lord was in this place and I didn't know it. He's the God of Abraham. He's the God of Isaac. But now Jacob has to have his own personal relationship with the God of covenant that is forming this covenant in a mouth of two or three witnesses. He then makes a vow to God and he says, I find this very, very interesting. He sets up a pillar. He calls the, the name of that place Bethel. Uh, which goes back to the same name that Abraham gave the altar that he created. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. It's 20 years before this, this return trip comes. But in those 20, 20 years, we find that God blesses him. God keeps his end of the bargain. He keeps his end of the covenant. He says, this is what I'm going to do for you. And Jacob says, if you keep me, you give me bread to eat, clothes, and you bring me back to my house, my father's house, in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. God's so patient. God's so God's so merciful. He knew what Jacob would do. He knew that there would come a time that he would wrestle with the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord would throw his hip out of place. He says, I will not let you go until you bless me. And what was the blessing? I change your name. You're no longer a trickster. You're no longer a deceiver. That's what Jacob meant. Born again. 
Your name is Israel. And what, it, what Israel means, having power with men and with God. Having favor with men and with God. So he became known as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Because they both, all three, excuse me, they all three had encounters and knew him experientially, not just about him. Now then, I'm going to bring this to today. I was visiting with someone, and I can't even remember who it was. But the question was asked, why is it that sometimes people, men of God, can uh, build great, powerful ministries only to have it not be the same or turn away from the founding purpose or in the second generation. You guys know what I'm talking about? I mean, I could name some. But uh, just they just don't have the same fire, the same anointing, or the same power, or the same... It, it, it's like the, it's just when, when, when that man died, the children couldn't handle it. If we would understand this, this is why. If the children are only doing the ministry by how they have been taught to do the ministry, then they don't have that covenant. We do our children an injustice when we teach them how to do the do. It's easy to teach administration. It's easy to teach this is how you take the offering and this is how you do this and this is how you do this. And, you know, the work of the, and we call that the work of the ministry. That's not the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry is to be able to come into covenant yourself with the divine encounter with God so that he's not only the God of your daddy, but he's the God of you. And you have that experience. And listen, none of these experiences were, oh yeah, I'm Abraham's son, so therefore... It took Isaac 20 years to intercede for Rebecca for her barrenness. He had to know his own covenant with God for his own family and know God for himself that then he became known as the God of Isaac. Isaac is blessed because the God of Abraham is also the God of Isaac. Not because who's your daddy. But because I proved him. That's the work of the ministry. Unless I go this way, I will never... We're supposed to receive gifts, and the gifts are supposed to be given to men. 
the whole covenant of the whole Abrahamic covenant is that all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Let's look at Ephesians 4 just a minute. He's given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the work of, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Okay. Unless I have come into the covenant relationship and I am going to him, I can't just say, oh, I'm a child of the living God and I'm a gift to you. I can only be a gift to you as he is my God. Experientially, not just because I made a decision one time or that I've been doing this function for a long time. I've learned how to preach and I've done it for 30 years. And so I'm a gift to you. No, you're only a gift. You're only a blessing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It says through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Through the descendants of Abraham. Then we have to ask ourselves, are the nations of the earth blessed right now? And if not, where are the descendants of Abraham? Maybe we're like the Pharisees that are saying, well, Abraham's our father. Without him becoming our God. What does that mean? That he is our Lord. He's mine and I'm his. And unless I'm in his presence, unless I'm surrendering my will, being face to face in his presence, renewing my mind, and that's what all three of these guys, Abraham had to have his, he had to get face to face with the presence of God and have his mind renewed from being a a moon worshiper to a God worshiper. Isaac, renew his mind. Walk the journey with God. Not somebody else, what somebody else tells me about God, but God speaking to me and me proving that it's God. Trusting and believing and walking it out. That's why I like my little acronym. The fear of God is following earnestly, walking it out, adhering to the voice of God regardless of the circumstances. Follow earnestly, adhering regardless is true fear of God. And when I have the true fear of God, then he's my God. Maybe that's why we're in a a generation that I would to God that there was a whole lot more power showing in me. A whole lot more of the presence of God in me. In the church. That the descendants of Abraham would still be in a position of being able to bless the nation. Wow. Does this make sense to us tonight?
God's doing a God thing. And he wants to be the God of Kenna. I mean, we really don't know how much he wants. How much he wants to pour himself out on those who will prove me now and see if I won't bless you with the covenant blessings, the promises, if you will obey my voice, if you will walk in my way. Oh, have we seen the mercy and the love of God tonight? Oh, my goodness, of how much he loves us, how much he's given himself for us. He was begging, if we remember earlier, he was begging to have a father. We've just had Father's Day. That would have made such a great message. <laughs> he was begging for a father that he could connect with on this earth. He's still begging for fathers that he can connect with on this earth. He was begging for that father so that he could be that father that would send his only son. To fill us with his fragrance. To fill us with his love. To take us into his inner chambers. Wow. We've been given a title and authority, but we can't use it until we walk in it. And the only way to walk in it is through him. Isaac was the promised son, but he couldn't walk in it until he walked it. Exactly. It wasn't just bequeathed to him, but he walked in it. And then he witnessed. He was, he was a, a real-life witness. And then Jacob became the third witness. They didn't have to go beyond that. It's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Wow. Father God, teach us, bring us yes. deeper. Yes. Deeper into your covenant. Deeper into understanding. Yes. Deeper into who you are. Deeper into your love. Deeper. Oh, Father God. That we wouldn't be shallow, but that we would go deep into what you have for us and be children of the covenant, children of the covenant of promise, the firstborn church. Mm, I love you. Oh, Father God, I love you. Let's just sit here a minute and just see what he wants to do. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That you fill us with your breath, Father.
Would you take us into your chambers and pour your spirit out upon us? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Father. Glory to your name. Grace, what I hear is Father God loves you so much and that he's just drawing you to himself. Just drawing you into himself. Drawing you near, wrapping you up in his arms of love. Cradling you. Holding you close. Keeping you on this journey. And filling you with his breath, his life, and his love. Oh, how much he loves you. And nothing is too hard for him. <laughs> Absolutely nothing is too hard for him. Oh, how he loves you. and how we love you. Glory. Sometimes we all just need to climb up in his lap and just say, Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Father, we just love you. We worship you. We thank you. We thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for your love in our hearts. We thank you, Father, for your spirit that you're pouring out. We thank you for your goodness. We just thank you. We thank you for our life, our breath, our strength. We thank you, Father. We just thank you. You are good, good, 
You are the good, good Father. And I worship you. We give you praise. We exalt you. We exalt you. We, we exalt you that you be high and lifted up. And that your praise fills the temple. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Father, bless us and keep us. Make your face to shine upon us. Be gracious unto us. Lift up your countenance upon us and give us your peace. In your precious Son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. When you first started to pray a moment ago,